My name's Vincenzo. This is uh, my radio show. And uh, tonight I've got Russell Hicks with me. Hi, Russell. Good evening. Good evening. No, I normally ask my guests to uh, choose three songs, but you, you had struggled to uh, whittle them down, didn't you? Cool, yeah. Well, it's difficult, isn't it? You know, the older you get, the more music you have in your library. But um, I thought, uh, I thought I got it down to three anyway. <laughs> it was easily done. So is there any particular reason choosing that one? or uh, Just because that, you know, it's a nice sort of upbeat, fairly um, newish, well, new to me, uh, bit of indie, I suppose. And I used that as a backing track um, with the cycling club. We go off to around the Isle of Wight uh, once a year when we can. Um, wasn't possible this year. And um, I made a video of a uh, bunch of us cycling around the Isle of Wight. I think there were about a dozen of us. And uh, this was the backing track, and it was such a lovely sunny day, and everybody's having a good time. It uh, it worked well. Brings back memories, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. So how about going back to um, school, maybe, uh, Russell? Was you, was you good at school? Um. Well, I certainly wasn't good. I think I was always in trouble, but <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I wasn't any. I wasn't a particular A star student. I went to uh, Riddlestown. Um, well, I started off, and I was born in Old Coulston. Went to Toldean Primary first of all. Then uh, we family moved to Hemsey Green. I went to school in Hemsey Green. Uh, then secondary school was secondary school was uh, Riddlesdown, and um, that was a, a lively place for us lads in those days. Um, and uh, you know, in, in, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I, so I lived in Hamsey Green, and we used to walk to school to Riddlesdown. Didn't think anything of it in those days. Yeah, and uh, it was. A, how, I mean, I I don't even know how far that is. Like, it must be, must be sort of three three miles, four oh, miles. Right. Uh, fair old walk, isn't it? Yeah, when you're a tiny kid. And uh, so, getting a bicycle when I was fourteen was luxury. Is it? Do you remember your first bike? I do, yeah. And um, my dad was a bit of a warrior, and uh, he thought the roads were dangerous then. I mean, blimey, if he saw them now. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he'd, he'd be. He certainly see a difference. Yeah. So then, did you? Was you involved with bikes at a young age? Um, only, you know. All, all, I think all boys at sort of 13, 14, 15 love whizzing around on, on bikes. And, um, and in fact, my first Saturday job, I think I must have been 14 or 15, uh, was with Ken, at Kenley Cycle Works. Oh, right. Is that... And, it, and it's gone now. Oh, it's And it's, it's at the bottom of St. James's Road um, on the A22 uh, going into Purley. It's now a cafe. Oh. It used to be a good old-fashioned bicycle shop. Yeah, and uh, the proprietor was a was a lovely man, Mister Kipps, who smoked a pipe, and um, and because it's in in the valley there at the back of the shop, uh, the, the garden dropped away, and there were loads of steps down to the back garden, and and they we also sold paraffin. I mean, people had paraffin. He well, I mean, must have been about what was that? Nineteen sixty-eight, something like that. Um, and my job was to go down with em- empty containers that people would bring in fill up fill them up with paraffin and run them up these stairs i was up and down up and down up and down all day so maybe that's where i got the strong legs for the uh, fitness yeah because 
I just wondered, did you do time trials when you was younger or anything like that? I or? did, and I, I so I got a bit more interested in cycling at, when I was fif- 15 and 16, and I joined the Old Portland Cycling Club in Croydon, and they they were based in Cherry Orchard Road uh, in Croydon. They used to have club nights there in a room above the Cherry Orchard pub. Um, and uh, and I, I really did enjoy club cycling then and of course you had the very young boys and then you had the fast older men and then there were much older men the old boys as all clubs do have and of course now in cycling i'm one of the old boys ah well me me too as well but yeah we can get on to that a little bit later as well (laughs) yeah so then did you did you stay with cycling after your teens or uh i i let me think. I suppose at sixteen, seventeen, I was doing a number of time trials. It it started falling away. I had a, you know, what happens is, uh, I think for a lot of boys at that age, once you get to eighteen, you get you get your first car, yeah. and discover girls and beer, and and then it doesn't seem so important. But um, uh, and then gradually it it fell away. And then then I started at, at college and and got a job, um, and I was. Trying, I remember trying to still cycle, but uh, I had another go with the same club when I was about 21, but that ah. really lasted one season, I think. Yeah. What was it that when you came back, maybe the fitness is, is that? I don't think that was so much a problem. I had a, had a very busy full-time job then in my early 20s, and uh, I was just, I, mean, I was working six days a week, and it was just, it was just oh, difficult right. to fit it all in. Yeah. Which, which is a shame, you know, and we see now, with clubs that young people have busy lives and uh, cycling just takes up too much time for them. Yeah. Well, there's there's that aspect as well. Do you ever look back and think maybe you might have been, you know, a bit famous today if you'd kept it up? Or I I think think probably a lot of us say, crikey, what could I have done if I sort of stuck with it? Yeah. And uh, we all all ponder that. And, um, but you can't do it all, can you? (laughs) No. And uh, so, so then from cycling, did you go into you, you started your own business later, or was that? Yeah, I I, um, I left school, went to college, did electrical engineering. Um, I didn't really think there were great prospects there. So a uh, very good friend of mine who was working in a state agency um, got me an interview uh, with a company in Sutton, and this was this was funny. Because at the time I didn't even own a suit, so I went to the interview and I borrowed one of his suits, and and he later asked the boss. He said, "Oh, you do you think you'll be giving a job to my my friend Russell?" Yeah. And he said, "Well, yeah, maybe. Uh, just hope he's got his own suits when he comes here." What did he recognise the suit? Was <laughs> he did. It was it was a funny looking suit with the, with the cuffs sort of had a funny turn back design on them. It was very strange. Blimey. But anyway, I got a job there, and uh, that was in Sutton. That went very well. Um, uh, and then from there I moved to another company um, and then I became a manager of an estate agents when I was 21 uh, then at 22, 23 then I was running a, a number of offices and at 25 I started my own business in Croydon Blimey, that's, that's quite young isn't it? Because I mean in that time was it was it normal at that age to start? It, it, it 
looking back, I think, crikey, I was young. You know? Yeah. At the time, I didn't really sort of think about it. I just sort of got stuck in and did it. And um, I had, when I started my own business, I had a partner who was a little bit older than me. Um, and we ran the, we had just one office in Croydon, in Addiscombe. Um, and we worked, we started that in 19, late 79. And I think it must have been about 1982, he decided to go off and just do development and he wanted me to buy him out, which I did. Uh, and it was it was pretty tough then. But then I started to expand the business um, and I opened other offices, uh, one in Thornton Heath, one in South Norwood, one in South Croydon, um, one in Sandersted. So it was it was a big and busy firm. And in the late 80s, the property market was absolutely exploding. Yeah. Um, Builders' societies and banks uh, were relaxing lending, so they were giving more and more lending more money to people, and prices were rising. The whole thing was getting out of hand. Uh, I I thought it was uh, really very wrong, and I I could see that this this wasn't sustainable. And I decided to sell the business. I thought there's going to be a terrible property crash. Mm. People thought I was mad. Uh, I was actually on the Jimmy Young show once. I was also on a, um, I think it was an LBC, some business program they did. And then I was on a Channel 4, um, did an interview for Channel 4. As, and they, they thought this was absolutely hilarious that there's an estate agent that thinks the, the property market's going to fall apart. And, right. uh, that was in the late 80s. Well, of course, by... 89, 90, it did fall apart badly, yeah. very badly. Ah. But I'd, I'd managed to sell up and get out. Do you know then. what happened to your old business? Did he survive or did they? Uh, yeah, well, it was, the old business was bought by uh, Royal's, Royal Sun Alliance, uh, who owned Barnard Marcus. And Barnard Marcus, of course, are still very much uh, around. Um, I think they've still got two or three offices in Croydon. I'm not sure, actually. Um, but uh, of course, early nineties in the property business was was absolutely horrific. Really, prices crashed. Uh, lots of people got repossessed. It was a miserable, miserable time. Yeah. Uh, it was completely preventable. Um, but every now and again, you get these booms and busts, and uh, governments do nothing about it. Yeah, that's where it's even now. I was uh, reading about property prices changing where. Maybe the southwest is coming up, but there are different areas where people are moving because of COVID. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's it's definitely the case that uh, there are there's a lot of movement out of big cities now. People want to get further out, and of course, they they can work uh, away from big cities, which is not a bad thing. And then another bonus with uh, COVID, which brings back to what you've done, is um, the amount of people now that are taking up cycling. Yes, it's 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 been a. <laughs> I was looking at um, the uh, results for Halfords; they've sort of doubled their profits in you know the last six months or something, and uh, it, it has been a boost that people have looked at what the alternatives are. It hasn't. We've had a number of new people join the club this year, but it hasn't been uh, the sort of boom that I thought there might have been. Um, not complaining. It's been sort of a, a steady number of new joiners, but we thought there might have been more. The the, the tricky thing with cycling is that, that people these days 
tend to think that they can take up an activity and they're going to be instantly good at it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's tennis or golf or table tennis, you know. Uh, to be good at anything, you've got to do it and do it and do it and do it. And for a lot of people, they want quicker results. Um, you can perhaps go to a gym and do some bodybuilding exercises and, and, and see physical results. doesn't mean you're fit, but you can, you can improve your shape quite quickly. Cycling is a, a, a bit of an acquired taste, I think, um, <laughs> there is a lot of there's a lot of pain involved. There's a certain amount of danger, obviously. Yeah. Um, even even the slightest tumble off a bike can really hurt. You you forget how hard the ground is, yeah. how hard tarmac is. So, and I think every now and again, some you know, everybody falls off a bike, and uh, sometimes it's uh, you just get brush yourself off and stand up again. Sometimes it's a bit more serious, but it maybe that danger element is a part of the excitement you know we we all love bombing around on bicycles uh but sometimes i think we probably all get home and think my god you know if i'd come off on that bend that would have been bad yeah but then so so coming back to the club then how how did you get into starting it up did you come back it, it, is, it is a bit of an interesting story so i had a, a an introduction to uh being a member of a cycling club when I was a nipper, when I was in my teens. Uh, left that um, for, for quite a long time. Then it, I, I'd, I'd still carried on cycling a bit over the years, but it wasn't until I was 52 yeah. that, that I then decided to join a cycling club and I joined Redhill Cycling Club, uh, which is a little bit of a way from Waldingham, but... Um, Sometimes I'd cycle over there. Most of the times I would drive over there to the meet point and um, and then cycle from there. And that was that was brilliant. That that it was a great club. They got got me back into cycling, uh, big distances. So you know we'd regularly go out and do fifty, sixty, seventy, sometimes more miles on on uh, Saturday or Sunday or both days. And um, then I did a little bit of time trialing there. Uh, did some Surrey League racing. But it's very difficult in your fifties, however fit you are, to compete with the others. Yeah. But but that was good. So I was uh, I was with Redhill for a while. Um, then I, at the same time, it, it was tricky because I, I another of my hobbies was sailing, and I bought a share in a lovely boat, um, which was uh, some of the time in the Med, but most of the time actually in the Caribbean. And I spent uh, a lot of winters um, from sort of October, November, right through to springtime. But I'd spend winters sailing in the Caribbean, which was Blimey. really quite fabulous. I mean, it was uh, sensational. Uh, <clears throat> it's sometimes tough, sometimes dangerous. A lot of the time it's beautiful. Uh, meet fantastically interesting people. Um, so... My cycling was always interrupted with with quite long spells away, away sailing. Because my experience of that is even if you come off the cycling a couple of months, sometimes, you know, the distance, maybe, I mean, I'm older, 59, so, I mean, you know, I don't think I recover as quick or if I go away, say, two or three months without cycling, then, then my... Um, my results are not oh, good or I struggle definitely. a bit before getting... I mean, um, 
you know, I, I, I was sailing and cycling in my early 50s. Uh, yeah, and coming home and getting on the bike after being off a bike for a few months was a struggle and it, it almost took a while to get back up to speed. Um, but it's, yeah, you get there eventually. Um, I, I, I think for most of us now, uh, I'm 66, when, if, I, if I'm off the bike for more than a few weeks, uh, even just if three or four weeks, I find it's quite hard to get, get back in the groove. Yeah. The, the funny thing is, sometimes it's not, just, it's not just the muscles, but your backside has to get used to it. Yeah, to that saddle. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So then, going back to the, the club, so that you, you was with uh, Red Hill and then you set up your own club. Yeah, I, I, I think it must have been about 2011 also, I had a knee injury. I, um, because I was sitting around on boats a lot, not, not really doing much exercise, I was on a small island and I thought I'd go and do some running. But a lot of Caribbean islands are, are pretty hilly. They're all dormant volcanoes, most of them. And um, I was running up and down these hills and I, I hurt my knee, which, and that just got worse and worse and worse. And I had a, uh, an operation on my knee in 2011. Um, so I'd been off the bike for a while then. And somebody, was, a mate of mine, was saying, well, you were talking about starting your own club sometime, so why don't you get on with it? And, and <laughs> what, I'm glad he did that because it did push me into doing it. And um, Oxted's just down the road from where I live in, in, in Waldingham, uh, and I thought that would be a reasonable catchment area. And there was a, a bicycle shop in Oxted called uh, Petra's. And I had a chat with them and I said, look, I'm thinking of starting a cycling club in this area. Um, could you help me, uh, you know, if you hear if anybody wants to join a cycling club, put them in touch and uh, we'll try and get something started. And that, that worked quite well. So we'd send them people people who needed bikes repairing and they'd send us customers who wanted to join a club. And from those very small beginnings, really quite quickly, we, we found that the word spread and, and we had... Uh, a growing membership in a, in a very short space of time, and I always thought, well, it's odd that there's there isn't a cycling club in Oxford because it's a fabulous area to, yeah. to go cycling. Um, and then quite some time later, I met an old boy, and he said, "Oh, well, you know, there used to be a cycling club here in the fifties, but it kind of died out." Uh-huh. So there was one once. Do you do you know the the name of it or any history of it? I Have you it, ever? I, I, I think it was called Oxted Wanderers. I'm just trying to think what their their badge looked like. Um, and it's interesting because he showed me some photographs of the the members uh, gathered together. And really, they just didn't, although it was the 1950s, they were sort of slim and fit and they just looked like, like us. You know, I thought it was incredible. Yeah. So there's, I think there's no difference. There is there is an aspect, isn't it? The bike hasn't changed much over time. I mean, I don't know what you think about the price of new bikes now. Or... <laughs> well, <clears throat> I don't. I don't think you know bikes. The, the basic geometry hasn't. You know, the wheels are the same size. Uh, the frame's basically the same shape. Um, I'm, I'm a bit of an anti snob when it comes to bikes, and and I think a lot of a lot of modern bikes that are extremely expensive just disappoint the purchasers massively because yeah. people people go out they 
they can spend three, four, five thousand pounds on a bicycle, and they sling a leg over it and they go off down the road and they, they come, come to the first hill, and it's just as hard as as being on any bike. Really. Yeah. And um, and I I. I, I, I'm, I try. Well, we we all try to get young people to get into cycling, uh, and one of the things that will put young people off is the cost cost of the gear. And, and they they pick up a cycling magazine or or they go online rather, and they they see all these fancy bikes and fancy equipment, and they think, oh my god, you know, I need thousands and thousands of pounds to do this. But this is so wrong, and um, I. Because I'm constantly battling with with people over and saying to them, you don't need to spend a fortune yeah. to have a have a good bike. So just a, just an example, uh, I I bought a cheap bike from a good manufacturer, good popular manufacturer, uh, and I, I bought a second hand bike on on eBay for six hundred pounds. That was my main racing bike uh, for a number of years. It was. Perfectly adequate. Every, all the equipment on it, gears, whatever, brakes were, were top notch. And, and I, I ran that bike for a number of years. I did all sorts of sportives, all sorts of big endurance events, all sorts of things. Uh, it was a brilliant bike. Um, it, and as I say, it was uh, a, a good, nearly new second hand. Someone had bought it, hardly used it, which is often the case. Uh, I sold it. After I think three years and about five thousand miles for four hundred and fifty pounds, so you see, Blimey. cycling <laughs> That's really doesn't good, have it? to cost much. It just doesn't have to cost a lot of money. It yeah, and um, I, I replaced that recently with a with another very very nice bike uh, again, which I bought second hand on on eBay from someone who hardly used it, bought it, used it a few times, left it in the shed, then he stuck it on eBay. I, I paid £750 for that bike. Uh, it is absolutely fantastic. That's carbon, deep rim wheels, 11-speed. Um, you couldn't get anything better. But people are going out and paying four, five, six yeah. thousand pounds for some of these bikes. We've seen I bikes advertised for £10,000. I'm the same as you. If I ever get anybody ask me for a bike, I always try to get them on a cheap bike first and yep. get them used to cycling first before they commit. Yeah, We had, it, we had a young man... Who joined our our club, and he took up time trialling with us. We we do summertime trials down at Horn. There's a ten mile circuit which we do in the evening, and about twenty or thirty people turn up and do this uh, evening event. It's fantastic fun. And uh, he was new to the club. I think he was seventeen, eighteen at the time. Anyway, he had a an old Halfords bike, um, which probably was worth about. Two hundred pounds, if that. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. It, it was it was just a very basic aluminium bike. He he came down there, did a few of these time trials. Um, he was absolutely brilliant. Uh, clearly, didn't you know fancy bike wasn't going to make him go any faster. Uh, he went on to do twenty five mile time trials. He still holds this is some years ago. He still holds the club twenty five mile time trial record on that. Very, very basic Halfords bike. And that just shows, doesn't it, which is what I say, it's your legs that powers the bike that makes the most... And and in fact, he he bought, he later bought uh, a very nice carbon uh, time-trialling bike, but he never went any faster. Yeah. Uh, So... I think I've I've seen in the mags, it's normally you're talking about seconds or you're talking about shaving off, you know, small amounts of time 
over long distances, isn't it? That the the difference of a it's it's uh, very often on, on at, the, at the top end. Uh, you, you you can save more time having tighter clothing, you know, and uh, getting your getting your streamlining sorted out. Yeah. Um, so thinking about tighter clothing as well. I mean, it, with your club, I mean, do you get many uh, like various people coming to you? Like, yeah. Well, we one one thing I wanted to do with Oxted Cycling Club was to make it as welcoming to all ages, all levels of fitness, as, as much as possible. The, the snag is people look at a cycling club and they see these sort of super fit people flying around and, and they find that all a bit intimidating and off-putting and they think, oh, crikey, I'm, if I could turn up there, they go off and do 50 or 100 miles or something. Oh, I couldn't possibly do that. So we, we run different groups every weekend. And we've run uh, in the last number of years well we've been going seven years and for quite a long time now we have run um between three and five rides on the saturday similar number on the sunday so we run about 300 led organized cycle rides each weekend but in but in groups of never more than eight nine or ten would be the, the max and by those rides, though, are they they all setting off and doing the same distance or the same speed? No, or so the um, we divide the groups into uh, different teams, and we what we call T one, T two, T three. So the T one group are uh, beginners or people who just want to come for a potter down the road and go off somewhere into the countryside to the nearest tea stop cafe and yeah. have have tea and a chat with their mates and, and cycle back. And they they might do twenty five thirty miles. That's that's at an easy sociable pace. Um, sometimes sometimes a bit less than that. But even, of course, for for some people to think of joining a cycling club and cycling twenty miles is is quite it a sounds challenge. yeah. But it's it's extraordinary because we we had a number of uh, how can I put it politely older ladies join the club some time back. Um, sort of. 50s, 60s, uh, who started cycling with us, and um, it was fairly slow progress at first. That that group of ladies went on and on and on. They got better and better and better, um, and a number of them entered a few years ago the Prudential 100 mile event. Oh yeah, I mean that's just wonderful. I think it's an incredible achievement. And cycling is a, an extraordinary thing. You might buy a bike, you get on it. The first time you go out, you do five miles and you're exhausted and aching all over. Next time you, know, you gradually build up, you might do 10 miles. And I remember when I when I got back into cycling years ago, I had a, a loop near my house, which was just eight miles. And I thought that was quite exhausting. You know, that was, that was I'd been out Doing, for a good ride. Yeah. Um, and... It's extraordinary how the human body gradually develops and you find that you can do 10 miles, 20 miles, 30 miles, yeah. 40 miles. And and we have, well, I mean, the most incredible example in our club, we we have a professor who's 84. Yeah, I had him on the radio show a while oh, of back. Course yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and he's, he's riding 100 kilometres a week, mm. which is fantastic. But we, we've got plenty of people in the club in the in the 60s and 70s um regularly do 40 50 mile rides without batting an eyelid 
and they've but they've built up to that. So so we have these different groups, and we 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 people can stay in an easy group or they can move up a group if they're feeling bold. And it's a very good system, works well. But uh, and then w- with the sort of T three, four, fives, they're all the sort of racy hot shots. Um, yeah, and they might just turn up one you know on a Saturday and say, right, let's go off to Brighton and uh, without patting an eyelid. So like Brighton and back for the group, they'll set off. Yeah, that's Brighton and back from Oxford is about eighty-five miles. Um, a lot depends on how hard you push it and how fast you try, try to ride. You know, most people would be amazed how you can ride a great distance if you just take it easy. Mm, yeah, I definitely say that. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing, there's nothing t- sort of massively deep and meaningful in that, except that uh, it, it's one of many songs that just reminded me of the, uh, the the times when I was running a boat in the Caribbean, and uh, that was an extraordinary period in my life. And it, it's not it's not anything like you might think it would be. Uh, you might if 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 you've sailed on boats, then you you'd have some idea. But um, sailing can be it, it takes it takes in all manner of emotions, and uh, sometimes it's glorious, and sometimes it's absolutely terrifying. <laughs> uh, I've been in situations that you just wouldn't believe. You know, we've we've been in appall- absolutely awful storms, all thought we we're going to die. Um, and on a boat, if if anything does go wrong or someone gets hurt, you can't just sort of ring for an ambulance. No. Um, it may not be so bad on the coast of the Med, but you know the the Caribbean is like the Wild West. It's, it's so are the waters quite bad out there. Then? Oh or no! Have I you mean, got any the, stories you um, can tell us? Oh crikey! Well, one, uh, certainly one time I was in the Bahamas, and and we could we knew there was a big storm coming. It was it was sort of pre-hurricane season. The hurricane season in the Caribbean is June to November, and and all boats get out basically. Um, they, they either get out or they tie them up in mangrove swamps or whatever, or, or you batten down and just hope the hurricane doesn't hit your island and your boat. Yeah. But, but most boats get out. So we were basically getting out, and uh, this was before the hurricane season, but before the hurricane season starts, you get you know big electric storms. They're not, it's not quite hurricane strength, but it's pretty bad. And we, we, we were going through the Bahamas, and, and it was funny because in the morning, it was a beautiful day. There was just a gentle breeze. We were just sort of hard. There was hardly any wind actually, um, and we were on engine as well as, as sailing. But there wasn't, as I say, there wasn't much breeze. And but we could see on the horizon big black clouds coming up our way, mm-hmm. and and everything is moving across the Atlantic uh, that time of year from Africa, and. Uh, and the wind strength came up and up and up, and we thought, oh, yeah, here we go. And we started reducing, you, you take down sails and run with less sail. We had a uh, we had an Australian skipper on the boat helping us at that time, and he said, look, I think what we should do, we'll, we'll anchor uh, just beside this island. Well, in the Bahamas, the islands are pretty flat, so it doesn't give you much protection from storms. No. And um, I had a bunch of friends on board, and... Uh, the wind got stronger and stronger and stronger. And we were, I said, right, everybody get down below. Me and the skipper will uh, get the anchor down. So he and I went onto the foredeck and the wind just came up so strong, so suddenly. And we saw flashes of lightning in the distance. Um, and the wind was so strong that it was ripping the top layer of water off 
off the waves and the waves coming across the boat I thought my god if I let go I'm just going to get swept over anyway just as we're trying to get this anchor down <laughs> and we were in shallow water uh, a massive bolt of lightning hit the water just beside the boat how it didn't hit the boat or why it didn't hit the boat I never I can never understand uh, you know because you think with the 70 foot mast poking up in the air it would have hit that but it didn't but the the lightning hitting the water was such a loud bang uh, we were absolutely terrified it was very close and that storm went on for the rest of the day we eventually took up the anchor uh, sailed off to the next island which we got into just before dark and we arrived at the next island uh, came into a, a very small marina and there was a bar there we all looked like drowned rats um, <laughs> and probably looking absolutely scared to death and there, there were people drinking cocktails at the bar. And you think, wow, what a contrast. You know, we, we thought we were all going to die out there. And there's people drinking cocktails at the bar. Blimey. <laughs> Did your guests want to get back on the boat afterwards after being all dry? They, and they, were, they, were, they were pretty good, actually. I mean, they were obviously terrified at the time. Uh, they were all cowering down below through, through the storm. But they, they, were, they were pretty good about it. And uh, anyway, we went on and we, sailed, we got into Florida where we were going to Fort Lauderdale, actually. And, and we got in there and uh, the storm was like on and on and on. You know, it's, it's, it's hurricane season in the Caribbean is really terrifying. Yeah. Um, and it's always been that way. It always will be. But, but then there are other, obviously fabulous times that you know that everything goes right and uh, you don't have any problems but um, I can imagine like blue skies and, and absolutely yeah you know the scenery of round there yeah it's, it's it's like living through through a bond movie you know <laughs> anyway so do you you wish you was back on the boats then or sometimes uh, it, it's it's also very tough uh, you know in a very hot humid climate uh, running a boat Organising a boat, um, sorting out all the engineering is a is a is a is a, is a big challenge. You know, it's it's hard work. Um, <clears throat> people think it's easy, but it's it's very hard running a boat. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough job. Is it? In, I was just thinking. So, in comparison to a cycling club, or maybe the other things that you uh, do. Well, when when people say they're having difficulty sort of fixing the brakes on a bicycle or something, I think, oh come on, you know, it's not. It's it, not. It's really not that difficult. You know, yeah. a bicycle's ever so simple. Um, you know, on a on a on a sailing boat, you've got an engine, a generator, you've got pumps, you've got winches, you've got all sorts of mechanical things, and and the sea air and salt is attacking this stuff all the time, and electronics, and it's a, you've got a million things to deal with. You know, so uh, running a bicycle is wonderfully simple. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we're coming up towards the uh, end of the show soon. Is there is there anything else that you want to? Tell tell the listeners about. Or? I would I would I would say if if you're looking at ways to to get fit and stay fit and lose weight and enjoy uh, staying fit rather than going to the gym and sweating in front of loads of other people, yeah. Um, then then think about think about getting a bike because if you if you buy a sensible bike, you'll always sell it for what you paid for it or very close. You're not going to lose much money on it. You've got nothing to lose. Um, don't don't feel embarrassed about coming along to a club and and you will have to be the rookie for a while. But you know we we all very good looking after people. You'll you'll find everybody incredibly friendly. They look after you. Uh, start gently. Start 
just just doing the easiest basic rides and enjoy the social life and going to different cafes and uh, you know we, we've got a wonderful network of cafes from Knoll Park to uh, places in Chiddingstone and Seven Oaks all, all over the place. Um, but uh, but give it a try. Don't 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 think that uh, you're going to be Lance Armstrong first time out, or is he more famous for drugs? Uh-huh. <laughs> but just give it time, and in time, in time, you'll find that you will grow to absolutely love it for the scenery, the um, camaraderie, and and gradually feeling very very fit and strong. Um, and you'd be amazed how great an activity it is. Because I was thinking as well, even like now with COVID, I mean, even if they wanted to get in contact with the club or like Facebook or something like that, maybe they can... Oxted CC, we're on Facebook, or our website is oxtedcc.org. Um, and uh, just, uh, just just Google Oxted CC and you'll find us, drop us a line and um, it your inquiry will probably come through to me and uh, I'll, I try to establish uh, from people what sort of level of fitness they are whether they're a complete beginner or they've done it before and give them some advice on uh, equipment and, and what to do and um, and even in winter you know if as long as you've got the right sort of clothing and you're wrapped up it's a, it's amazing it can still be wonderful the only thing we don't do is now is go cycling when it's a bit too icy um, we had a fella came off earlier this year and uh, hurt himself quite badly coming off an ice so we don't take that risk yeah so uh, well hopefully even now there's been some good days with uh, even though it's cold you can get out on yeah, the bike yeah uh, we we generally if it's if it's chucking it down with rain we we won't start we'll we'll pull the rides if it's really chucking it down with rain but quite often if it looks like it might rain later we'll we'll get started if we get a bit wet wet later on uh then so be it yeah it's not too bad and they say that um there's no such thing as bad weather only bad clothing yeah i'd agree there (laughs) that's definitely right so that was pink try was there any reason to to pick that one I, i just um i you know when you're on a bike and you're sort of struggling up a hill, it's nice to have a song in your head that tells you to keep trying, you know. Ah. <laughs> that's, and that's uh, it's one of those songs. I think we, we've all got several of those that we um, <coughs> sing to ourselves occasionally. <laughs> ah. that's, that's brilliant. Well, I, so I'd like to say thanks for coming on to the show, Russell. Um, I'll put some links to your club afterwards and and anybody who who wants to approach the club can contact you there wonderful and and if there's i don't know if there's anything else but thank you very much no that's that's good um i hope we'll uh hope we'll hear from some people and let's hope that 2021 is a bit nicer than 2020 and everyone yeah be be safe out there and cycle cycle carefully oh the only thing i would say if you if you are going to jump on a bike for the first time please don't wear black gear it's not a fashion show you need to no. you need to be visible on the road and um, s- stick a nice big backlight on yeah we'd all encourage that be be safe and be seen all right then well thanks a lot thank you russell thanks <laughs>